Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 19th, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. As promised, I'm here wrapping up the week with all y'all solo. We have a ton of news to get to today for better or for worse. But first, if you are able and so inclined, you can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already. All right, let's get into the news, starting with Thursday's awards season news as the 2020 Drama League Awards announced their winners. Of course, like all other award shows this season, the announcements were made online. Six-time Tony nominee Danny Burstein was named the winner of the Drama League's Distinguished Performance Award, honored for his performance in this season's Moulin Rouge, amongst a long list of nominees including Danielle Brooks, Raul Esparza, Rose Byrne, and more. The Drama League also acknowledged previous recipients who appeared in Broadway or off-Broadway productions this past year. The award can only be won once in a performer's lifetime, and then they are ineligible to be nominated again. So this year's list includes Harvey Firestein for Bella Bella, Mary Louise Parker for The Sound Inside, and Audra McDonald for Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Additionally, winners were announced for Outstanding Productions in four categories. For Outstanding Production of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Play, The Inheritance was named the winner. For Outstanding Revival of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Play, the award went to A Soldier's Play. For Outstanding Production of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Musical, the award went to Moulin Rouge. And for Outstanding Revival of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Musical, the award went to Little Shop of Horrors. As previously announced, 2020 Special Recognition Award recipients include company director Marion Elliott as the recipient of the Founders Award for Excellence in Directing, and the late great Terrence McNally as the recipient of the Unique Contribution to Theater Award. Also in awards news yesterday, the 2020 winners of the New York Community Trust's Helen Merrill Award for Playwriting were announced. This year's winners are... Danetta Lavinia Grays, Kimber Lee, Danye R. Love, Mona Mansoor, Diana O, oh, and Sung No. Each playwright won a prize of $25,000 for a grand total of $150,000. Of course, big congratulations to all of the winners and nominees for both the Drama League Awards and the Helen Merrill Awards. Also, a reminder for your Friday that tonight is the first annual Antonio Awards presented by Broadway Black. That will be streamed starting at 6 p.m. for the virtual red carpet, which I love, and 7 p.m. for the ceremony on Broadway Black's YouTube and Facebook pages. Be sure to put that one in your calendar if you haven't already. On to our continuing coverage of the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement and theater's response to address its racism, the Actors' Equity Association National Council released a statement on Thursday addressing the movement and resolving to take action. It starts by addressing the recent murders of George Floyd, Tony McDade, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and Dominique Remy Falls, as well as systemic racism, including in the theater industry, before making promises about its future. Included in the resolutions are a redoubling of efforts, quote, to seek out, listen to, and amplify the voices of BIPOC stage managers and actors, as well as to address racism both inside the union and its structures, to re-examine its own governance, 
to negotiate safety provisions in its agreements with employers, and to push for and support efforts in alignment with BIPOC members in their communities to reform law enforcement and our criminal justice system. In addition to ACWRS Equity, the Stage Directors and Choreographer Society also released an open letter to colleagues in the field. They wrote, quote, In keeping with our principles, we will work to ensure an anti-racist workplace for Black, Indigenous, and people of color, BIPOC, members, and fellow theater makers. The anti-discrimination and harassment policies embedded within our collective bargaining agreements protect our members from harassment and discrimination based on race, as well as age, gender identity, and sexual orientation. We will make certain all of our members understand this and hold our employers to account. The letter continues to address its plans under the subheads sharing information, creating a safe workplace, and coming together where they address their plans, including continued efforts to publish detailed hiring statistics for each of their jurisdictions. And finally, two days after the resident artists of Off-Off-Broadway's The Flea penned a letter pointing to a culture of intimidation and fear, The Flea has released a statement of their own. Some background information first. On June 16th, resident writers and directors, associate artists, and the BATS, which is the Flea's resident non-equity acting company, wrote a letter addressing the Flea's producing director Carol Ostro, artistic director Nigel Smith, and the theater's board of directors to address their collective experiences rooted in racism, sexism, gaslighting, disrespect, abuse, sabotage, and retaliation. That letter came after an initial letter from former BATS member Bryn Carter that was made public earlier this month. Following the two letters, the FLEA released a statement on Thursday accepting full responsibility for, quote, the ways in which we have let down our artists and are heartbroken to know that we have come up short for the very people it is our mission to serve. It continues, we have been moved and humbled by how BIPOC resident artists have come together to hold us accountable in this moment. They have provided us with a list of priorities to transform our culture. The FLEA is committed to working collaboratively with our artists, including adding resident artists to our board of directors. New promises include a list of things the FLEA should have already been doing, including paying its artists who are working as volunteers including resident artists in the season planning process and regular leadership training in anti-racism, equity, inclusion, and conflict resolution. Matt and I have talked a lot recently about putting your money where your mouth is when it comes to companies putting out statements like this, making calls for action, uh, talking about potential changes they're going to make. Certainly in the case of the flea here, there's a lot of damage control there as they've clearly caused a lot of harm to their BIPOC artists. I certainly hope they are serious about their changes, as I hope all of these organizations are. First and foremost, Actors' Equity, which their sole purpose is to have their members' best interests and safety at heart and mind. So obviously there's a long time until theater gets back off the ground. We have a lot of changes that we need to make until that happens. And hopefully in the coming months, as this conversation continues, we will see some of those changes implemented. Wrapping up today's news with the latest COVID-19 theater update, we unfortunately had a busy news day on Thursday with the latest slew of cancellations, including from several of New York's largest institutions and series. 
Included in that now is the New York City Ballet, which had canceled its fall 2020 season, as well as its 2020 to 21 engagement of the Nutcracker, which, as per usual, was scheduled for the holiday season from November 27th through January 3rd. New York City Ballet's 2021 winter season is scheduled to begin its six-week run on January 19th, so we will have to wait and see if they are up by then. Also announcing cancellations is Carnegie Hall, which has canceled all its in-person 2020 programming through January 6th, 2021, with hopes to resume operations on January 7th. They will be continuing their digital programming, such as Live with Carnegie Hall and Learn with Carnegie Hall, and will also be moving their planned October 7th opening night gala to online as well. The venue intends to expand its digital programming in the coming months, including remote concerts from musicians at home, interview and feature series, and public access of archived recordings. And finally, Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts has canceled this fall's Great Performers series, as well as the 2020-2021 David Rubenstein Atrium season, including its annual White Light Festival. Previously announced concerts have been canceled through January 26th, with current plans to resume beginning February 6th. As we've already talked about several times, Lincoln Center has launched its at-home portal over the last few months with daily streaming options, and I expect they'll also have more options in the coming months as well. This is obviously hard news to swallow. We're already seeing some other big institutions, including the Met, cancel performances for their whole year. So the reality is that there won't be any form of live classical music in the city for the rest of the year. At the earliest, we already pretty much knew that. (laughs) But as both a patron and a musician kind of feels very bleak. (laughs) But I do hope to see more offerings from these institutions. I hope if you're able to, especially for the musicians and performers themselves, you can find ways to support them. But wrapping up today with some slightly better news, we continue to talk about what reopening is going to look like for New York theater, and a COVID-19 theater think tank has launched a website to help theaters across the country identify risks and areas of improvements related to the virus. The website, created by producer and publicist Matt Ross, and comprised of three dozen theater makers across disciplines, as well as a team of epidemiologists, will release guidelines drawn from the public health data and educational resources on how different areas of the field are handling the virus. The think tank, which began with an initial list of 40 areas of concern, is now working on a time and motion study to examine patterns of people moving through the front of the house to backstage in theaters and figure out how congestion could be reduced and therefore reduce the risk of spreading the disease. I am a data journalism geek, so things like this are really helpful for me personally to help manage my anxiety about all of this, even if the news is bad, honestly. Pro-science and pro-numbers through and through. You can learn more by visiting covidtheaterthinktank.org. And last up today, with more and more things being canceled, as we've already talked about in the show, and others being moved online, there have been a lot of questions about what the public Shakespeare in the Park could possibly look like if it decided to take that route. 
Earlier, the theater organization had announced that in-person productions would be canceled through at least August, but now it is taking on a new life as the public and WNYC have joined forces to present Shakespeare's Richard II as a four-part radio play. Richard II was originally part of the 2020 Shakespeare in the Park season at the Delacorte Theater and was scheduled to begin on May 19th. Now conceived for the radio and directed by Shaheem Ali, it will be broadcast over four nights beginning on July 13th through July 16th at 8 p.m. Jitney star Andre Holland will lend his voice to the titular role, and joining him in the cast will be Felicia Rashad, Estelle Parsons, John Douglas Thompson, Tom Sesma, Barzan Akaven, and more. You will be able to listen to the production either on WNYC 93.9 FM and AM 820 on WNYC.org or as a podcast series in case you don't have enough podcasts in your life, which WNYC will be making available after the live broadcasts. You can, of course, get more information on the production at WNYC.org. I know nothing replaces live visual theater, but I absolutely love this. I don't know if they can also find a way to do this with As You Like It, considering it was a remount and that was supposed to follow the Public Works musical adaptation, that is. But I would love to see that or hear that, I guess. (laughs) But this is awesome and with excellent, excellent casting. All right, that is all we have for you on this Friday and for this week. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. Tune in this weekend for This Week on Broadway with, I'm guessing, Sirs, Marino, Felicia, and Portantier. If you're a patron, you can get in on the action by joining the live chat. I'm assuming you guys are still doing that this weekend. If you're not a patron, you can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio. Have a happy and safe weekend, everybody. Be kind to yourself and one another. Social distance, wear the damn mask, and we will be back to talk with you on Monday. Monday.